those of you just joining us, I'd like to welcome everyone to our regularly scheduled Tuesdays at 2 with your MEC. Important point I'd like to point out here just before we get things started is that these meetings are recorded. We do record all of our Tuesdays at 2. They get edited and processed and checked over for accuracy and then posted to our MEC YouTube channel, as well as the Sun Country Airlines Pilots MEC podcast, which is available for you to review. And we get those up just as soon as we possibly can. They do have to go through a little bit of legal vetting after I get them uh process put in a container that's able to be put up on the web and shared it does take a little bit of work with that being said understand these are recorded and put out for public consumption so please keep that in mind with your uh, questions and comments and if if you got something you really need to get off your chest it's probably best just give us a call straight away one-on-one we can deal with those issues better and and work through if you've got something that you just got to vent and get off your chest we love the questions here we love the open transparent communication with you the members and we do encourage all those questions we can possibly get that, and, and but we try to keep them on topic here on these Tuesdays at two. That helps everyone just to, to get this information and get it straight from the MEC. Would appreciate that you do not try to screen capture or take notes and then try to summarize and re-put that out like on Facebook and unofficial places. If your friends have questions, please direct them to our YouTube channel, or our podcast, or once again, one of us on the MEC, Eric, Will, myself, we're always available to you. With that being said, I see Eric's got his slide presentation ready and able to go. He's ready to kick things off, so I'm going to kick it over to Eric. Eric, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Kevin, thanks. Um, All right. Uh, I think you covered most of this. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining everyone. Um, just the continued contract education effort, right? Today we're going to dig into um, a series of different issues that uh, have resulted from um, uh, maybe noticed in the FO bid pack that there wasn't enough lines to accommodate both the OE and then all of the bidders. Uh, the company is not engaged with us on a fix and has kind of unilaterally chosen to go off on their own uh, with their own interpretations, which I think is some uh, some dangerous territory. Um, I'm going to fill you in kind of as to where we're at and break some of that down a little bit so people understand um, uh, what the options are and maybe a little bit of what the violations that are coming at us are going to be. Because uh, without engaging on it, there's going to be a, a pretty serious cascading amount of, uh, of violations, I have a feeling. So, uh, all right. Um, those of you who are uh, joining who are here last week, you may notice uh, still with a call to action, right? Uh, I got some people to sign up for uh, hotel committee and crew meals work. Um, I'm going to add a 117 duty subcommittee on here. Uh, the, all of these um, things that, that we're looking for volunteers for, we just simply are getting uh, so busy uh, as the company is kind of imploding a little bit, right? Um, uh, in all seriousness, the, the training issues and the 117 duty issues are taking up um, a good solid 12-hour days for everyone involved here. 
And uh, we just we really need to uh, get some committees working so that they can uh, point some of these conversations. Right. Uh, with the hotel committee, we really need about six, seven people who are out surveying different hotels. Right. And mostly what this means is uh, you go to uh, different markets and shop hotels that we don't generally stay at and uh, report back as to the quality of the hotel, right? Um, and then crew meals, obviously the crew meals are in a sad state and uh, we need uh, someone, a uh, group of people who can start to point that conversation with the chief pilot's office. So not necessarily the grievance side of this or the processing of the settlements, which, um, you know, just to give you uh, an idea, about a thousand of those a month, right? Um, so not processing the grievance side of this, but, you know, variety, tasting, vendors, um, what the crew meals actually look like and how they uh, how they taste, right? Um, need somebody uh, to point that conversation. Um, on the 117 duty issues, um, I'll come to that in just a minute, but uh, there's really widespread noncompliance and we need to get, uh, get some people fronting that conversation with the chief pilot's office as well. Um, Doug Rowe is soon to be retiring uh, from professional standards. Um, uh, that's going to leave us with a, a pretty big vacancy there. Uh, really do need some people to shore up there as well. And truly, the size of that committee needs to grow a little bit, given that the uh, size of the airline is larger. And then uh, the podcast production stuff that Kevin was talking about, right, is uh, – uh, Kevin is uh, soon to go back uh, back to line and do some training. Um, the podcast production uh, for you know Tuesdays at two, all pilot calls, uh, etc. Contract education is is going to suffer. So uh, if we have anybody with some skills there, uh, we can make good use of you. All right. Um, these conversations now have been several months uh, ongoing with the FAA uh, regarding 117 compliance. Uh, the FAA is requesting that pilots file ASAP reports. Um, and what I would say here is that you're, we are in a um, kind of a moment of a uh, little bit of um, uh, amnesty of sorts, right? Uh, where the FAA isn't yet auditing and surveilling um, all aspects of 117 with the company. Um, as some of you may be aware, uh, all of the FAA folks, the entirety of our uh, people appointed to us by the Minneapolis FISDO, have turned over in the last six or eight months, and they're just coming up to speed on this property. And because most of their attention is being taken away, like ours, to the training department, they haven't really gotten to, uh, you know, turning over to the rocks in the 117 world. And there's pretty widespread noncompliance there. Uh, I know that there's a desire on the pilot group side to uh, do some of these, you know, 117 uh, centered calls on Tuesdays at two and truly uh, bring up the pilot group's uh, education on 117. But right now, the FAA is requesting pilots file ASAP reports. I'd say if you're thinking that you're in uh, um, potentially possibly in a 117 violation, make sure you file the ASAP report. If you have questions about it and you don't quite understand whether or not there's a violation, file the ASAP report, right? Uh, the, the FAA is specifically looking at 117 rest violations. And as I said, there is widespread noncompliance and we really do need to get out in front of it. Um, 
all variations of this. There seems to be some notion that if you're in management or you're a supervisor of flying, you don't need to um, adhere to the 117 rest rules. That isn't the case. Uh, management pilots, I believe, are now tracking their 117 duty. Uh, the SOFs were serving 24 hours of duty straight. Uh, that has been ended and I believe is now being handled through the uh, uh, the chief pilot's office until they can get uh, that program, uh, you know, some legs underneath it again and are tracking the duty properly. Um, also note that, you know, simulators and training duty and um, time spent in the training department training, uh, that's also duty, right? I mean, flying's obvious, uh, but um, we're doing some operations that I think probably skirt uh, the edges of 117. Um, certainly, there's examples uh, that I've talked to um, the FAA recently about regarding, you know, all of the interpretation letters that have come out um, over the last, you know, uh, what, 10, 12 years since 117 was implemented. And um, note that what AIMS was programmed to was considered to be more restrictive than 117. Um, uh, so the idea on the part of crew scheduling is that they don't need to know about 117 and that AIMS just catches all of the violations for them. Uh, and note that uh, the people who uh, worked on uh, 117 compliance with this company uh, when AIMS was uh, uh, programmed and 117 was developed uh, and implemented, uh, don't know that the uh, interpretation letters exist. Um, I've been in meetings where I've been told that they're fake and that um, uh, they're they're not real, uh, which is pretty wild, right? Um, all right, so uh, note really duty is just anything that's done at the request of the company. And uh, we really need to be tracking all of our duty, uh, as well as our ELPA duty, uh, when we're meeting with the company. Uh, all of that needs to be tracked. So um, there it is. Uh, please file ASAPs. The FAA is asking for the ASAPs very specifically. Uh, they want to know where the problems are so that they can uh, start to observe and surveil in those areas. Um, all right. So. Coming back to today's issue, right? Well, I was uh, no uh, February flying withheld from first officer bidding to conduct OE in the January bid package, right? So uh, 16 training pilots were identified as bidding OE lines, and that happens on the training department um, and needs to be um, identified by the 10th of the month, right? So by the 10th of January, the amount of OE for February is known, and then the company needs to create uh, enough lines to provide training for that OE. So uh, 16 training pilots were identified as bidding OE lines. Uh, the company is required to have an equal number of biddable lines as there are bidders, okay? And then to accommodate the 16 OE lines, uh, essentially the, what the company does is just creates more reserve lines, and that way uh, there's enough um, uh, biddable lines plus OE lines to satisfy the need of all of the bidders. And uh, what happened here is that the OE lines were not published and uh, the company has chosen to instead award uh, the OE lines to um, bidding first officers in an effort to uh, run an end around 
uh, around having not uh, created enough reserve lines. And as I said, they didn't engage with us. Uh, we would have told them that 24, uh, sorry, 25 E4 requires that um, that they actually uh, uh, withhold flying from uh, 16 lines. It is a, it is a requirement. All right, so uh, we filed a grievance, as you can see, uh, the, the kind of the meaningful parts were copied and pasted onto the screen here, um, on the violation of 25B2 and 25B3, okay? And what we're doing here is we're seeking liquidated damages to cover the costs of enforcement. This is going to cost a lot of man hours and a lot of time for, for us um, in order to protect the pilot group from the cascading grievances that are going to occur here. Um, Right now, 25B2 uh, and 25B3 were what we knew about at the time that we uh, that we filed this grievance uh, in order to um, essentially say, hey, company, you need to come talk to us about this problem. Uh, they did not engage on a solution, instead chose to do something on their own, as I said. So um, this grievance is based on the company's violation of the pilot agreement, Section 25, and all related sections uh, and letters of agreement when, uh, for example, on or about January 16th, 2024, that's when the bid pack was published, right? Uh, the company published the first officer monthly bid package for February 2024 with only 265 lines available for bidding when there were 281 first officers eligible to bid. Uh, Section 25B2 and 3 require the monthly bid package to have one line for each pilot on the bid list to bid and be awarded. Uh, for the month of February 2024, there are 281 first officers on the bid list. So while there were, uh, you know, 281 lines and 281 uh, first officers, 16 of those lines needed to be withheld from OE bidding and were not. Um, so uh, as you can see here, what we're looking for as a remedy is the average line value of 89.45 hours uh, times uh, 16 pilots or 16 lines, I should say, and uh, at the uh, average pay for a first officer, 183.72. Um, all right, so if we take a look here, right, 25B2D, uh, this is the the language that's in the book, right? And this is just in the in the bid package and how how lines are bid out, right? So the bid package shall have a sufficient number of lines to provide one line for each pilot on the bid list to bid and be awarded in this position, right? Um, and due to 25E4, uh, there's not enough biddable lines, right? Because 16 of them needed to be withheld, and were not, um, right? So uh, when we start to look at this language, right, OE lines and flying withheld from first officer bidding, we'll take a look at 25E4 as well as 18G and kind of see what happens, right? So 25E4 and 18G OE lines are required to be withheld from first officer bidding in accordance with 25E4. OE line bidding training pilots are identified in 18G1C. So this is where they identify how many um, uh, OE lines need to be created and or how many training pilots are going to be awarded in OE line. Uh, and then those OE lines are awarded to training pilots on the 10th of the month prior, so January 10th, in, according, in accordance with 18G2. Um, and that all happens prior to the publication of the bid package, right? So the number of OE lines is set 
uh, by January 10th. Um, the training pilots know if they're going to be a, a bidding pilot, uh, and then they exercise their seniority uh, in the bid, right? Uh, that basically uh, is the mechanism that's used by the training department to uh, designate what flying the training department owns and can conduct training on. Um, there's a couple ways, you know, industry-wide that that's done, right? Sometimes uh, the training department just kind of cherry picks the lines, um, you know, and that that really causes, uh, um, let's say, a, a disproportionate number of the good trips to go to the training department rather than uh, to the uh, to the line pilots. And what was bargained for is to have uh, the training pilots exercise their seniority so that the lines that are removed. Um, and the flying that's removed looks somewhat uh, equitable, right? Like it would look if those pilots were exercising their seniority anyways, right? And uh, so what we see here, 25E4, right? This is where um, OE lines are, are created in the bid process inside of uh, Section 25, right? So uh, the company may designate and not award particular first officer lines as necessary for completion of OE for captains or first officers as follows. Uh, after all captain lines have been awarded, first officer lines that are same numbered companion lines to the lines that have been awarded to the training pilot captains who will perform OE may be designated as OE lines. Okay. Um, and then there's an example here. For example, if uh, training pilot Captain A is awarded line uh, 110C, the first officer line 110F that contains the same trips as 110C may be designated as an OE line and not be awarded to a first officer. Uh, first officers will then be awarded the remaining lines in accordance with paragraph E3 above. Um, captains and or first officers requiring OE may then be assigned to the trips on line uh, 110F. Uh, this paragraph goes on to explain, right, that uh, you need to use 75% of those lines that are withheld for OE, right? And what that does is it, um, it assures us that um, we're not going to create, you know, 50 OE lines um, and leave the OE uh, or leave the the first officers with essentially no bidding power at all on you know bidding on just a few few lines and everybody's on reserve right. Um, so for the purposes of this paragraph E4 as necessary for the completion of OE shall mean that the last uh, that at least uh, 75% of the credit hours for each line designated as an OE line shall be used for performance of OE training. Okay, just assures uh, that the lines that are withheld will actually be used for OE. Right, and that we're not creating too many OE lines. Uh, important parts here, right? Um, uh, kind of bullet two here, right? After all, captain lines have been awarded, first officer lines that are the same number, companion lines uh, that have been awarded to the training pack captains, right? Um, maybe designated as OE lines. Uh, important that those are OE lines uh, because that's been fixed already in the training department as of uh, the 10th of the month, right? All right, uh, so um, just a kind of thought on this, right? What flying can the training department conduct training on, right? 
um, that's all the flying that is withheld uh, from uh, 25E4, right? So flying awarded to a training pilot, the final line award, needs to be identified in the bid pack as an OE line, uh, which they were uh, indeed identified as an OE line um, and then uh, uh, not awarded in accordance with the language that requires them to be withheld. Um, so the flying awarded to a uh, training pilot identified as an OE line is withheld from first officer bidding than the 75%, right? So um, here uh, we see in uh, 18G 1 and 2 uh, where the language uh, where the OE lines are designated and then um, that they're uh, uh, no one on the 10th of the month, right? So uh, lines that are... Um, Designated as OE, right? So uh, looking at uh, G1, uh, each planning month, right? So the month before the bid month, uh, while they're planning for the next month's training, the company shall create monthly schedules and our lines during the training pilot monthly preferencing process equal to the number of training pilots, okay? So all the training pilots need to know what they're going to be doing, whether that's going to be you know, sim work um, or line checks or OE, or if they're going to be on a fly month, okay? Uh, and each training pilot needs to be accounted for in one of those four categories. Um, important part here in this paragraph, uh, G1, so based on the company's anticipated training needs, each training schedule will be identified as follows, right? And then we have G1C, which is the OE line. Um, and then we look at uh, G2, awards of training schedules shall be made no later than the 10th of the day of the month prior to the training month, right? So, for example, June 10th for the July training month. All this is to say, right, that um, uh, the OE lines are designated uh, and training pilots know that they're going to be doing OE the month prior, and that is then uh, kind of carved in stone. Uh, they exercise their seniority through 25E4 in order to um, get some amount of flying that's then kind of owned by the training department. Uh, if we look at 18G4, okay, so uh, basically the next paragraph down, um, a specific training pilot schedule may be awarded or assigned to a training pilot if necessary to satisfy all training requirements, right? Um, so need to make enough lines to create uh, somewhere for all of the training to go that's going to be uh, uh, conducted, right? Uh, we operate under the notion of known training. And in this case, um, you have X amount of OE that has to be done and uh, you designate your pilots in order to do that, right? And that is to say in um, A here, right? Uh, so 20 or 18G4A, such monthly schedules shall award training trips, training events, and evaluations such that all training requirements will be met to the extent possible, right? So you're not retroactively doing this. You're looking ahead into the next month and making sure that you're creating the OE lines, um, and then uh, the OE lines in accordance with 18G4B, OE line uh, monthly schedules will be awarded pursuant to 25, right? Um, uh, section 25, E4, right, is what that's pointing at right there. And then uh, paragraph C, uh, and this is uh, very important because it kind of cuts both ways here. Uh, such monthly schedules will comply with the requirements of paragraph G1 above, 
Um, that is uh, the paragraph we were just looking at uh, right here, right, with uh, the four different classifications, so where we see the OE lines getting created. So such monthly schedules will comply with the requirements of paragraph G1 above, such that the company shall create, uh, shall is important here, uh, shall only create the number of OE lines necessary for the completion of OE. You can't make more and you can't make less. Uh, you need to make the number of lines that will accommodate the training, right? Um, which is to say you need to buy enough, uh, enough block time from the regular pilot to conduct the training, but not so much that you're hurting the work opportunities of the regular pilot. Right. Um, it's a box essentially created for the training department where they know exactly how much uh, flying they own. OK, so. Um, now that we kind of know uh, the crux of the problem, right, for the number of lines uh, not being enough to accommodate the number of bidders and knowing that the company has bid out, uh, all of the OE lines improperly in violation of 25E4. Um, how do we get any training into the training department? And I think here's where we run into, um, uh, I would say, a wall. There, there is no, there's really no option here. Um, 25P, which is this training replacement language. Um, as a kind of specific language that allows for uh, the uh, removal of the pilot, right? A line pilot uh, can be removed. So you can't remove the training pilot, but a line pilot may be removed from a trip or portion thereof to accommodate the training of another pilot or the training pilot conducting the training. Um, and if the, we were operating in an isolated vacuum where this was the only language that addressed uh, how to deal with um, the flying that is uh, owned by the training department, um, they could probably remove some people and do some training, but that isn't how this works. All that this does is um, uh, basically is specific language uh, that says that the pilot can be deadheaded um, and to rejoin the trip and that it'll be pay protected uh, if he is removed, right? So this really is just the removal language in 25 and what we find in section uh, 18 is far more exhaustive um, and is how the training department can conduct training on trips that aren't awarded as OE lines, right? So um, this is not the way out. Uh, this is not the way to circumnavigate. Uh, the requirements to pull pilots from training outside of uh, what is awarded as an OE line. Um, so now we're in a, a really odd corner here because there really is no way uh, to uh, pull pilots and conduct OE. Um, so what we'll find here, right, uh, 25P, right, uh, what does this language do, right? It's just uh, the specific language that allows for full or partial removal from the trip. This is just the removal. It has nothing to do with being able to do training, right? Um, some ways that this might be useful, right, is currency, that kind of thing, but uh, not training um, uh, in terms of uh, Section 18, right? So this deals with the pull, it deals with the partial, deals with some pay protection, deals with deadheading to rejoin the trip as the operating pilot. Um, but 
there's uh, far more complete language in 18 that deals with how uh, the training pilot can be used on uh, trips that are owned by the, the regular pilot, right? Um, so what flying can the training department conduct training on, right? Uh, on training trips and specifically trips withheld from first officer bidding, right? That's the stuff that's uh, the sized the box, right, in terms of what the training department owns and training trips that are awarded at the final line award to training pilots, okay? Um, uh, training trips can be made after the final line award on trips, notably not awarded to a training pilot, okay, as part of an OE line award. Uh, and essentially what happens here is the training department buys trips after the final line award by removing both the captain and the FO. Um, so you'll see here in uh, section 18H, right, how uh, the company can go about dealing with trips not awarded to a training pilot at the final schedule on which the training department desires to conduct training. Um, right, so you, you basically have stuff that FOs are um, withheld from bidding on, and those are the OE lines, uh, and then you have um, 18H, right, which is more flying outside of what was purchased at the final line award, right? So 18H, uh, trips not awarded to a training pilot at the final schedule in which the training department desires to conduct training, maybe OMS published in uncovered training events and awarded to a training pilot. Uh, training pilot awarded such a trip from uncovered training events in accordance with this paragraph H will serve uh, as a captain uh, or a first officer while conducting training uh, only by first removing both the captain and first officer who were originally scheduled for the trip and who are removed from the entire trip. Uh, the removed pilots will be released from their entire trip with full pay and credit in accordance with Section 4E and uh, will not be subject to the reassignment provisions of 25K3, right? So uh, what this is, is um, any trips that were not withheld from OE bidding as an OE line uh, are then uh, able to be purchased by assigning uh, you know, having already awarded a captain or first officer or assigning a reserve to those positions and then removing them um, so that the work opportunities aren't lost for the pilot uh, who wants to pick something up out of open time, right? What you see here is three options uh, to do that, right? Trips which are fully staffed with a regular reserve pilot may be placed in uncovered training events by category. Um, at such time, the training event is awarded to a training pilot. The regular reserve pilot shall be removed from the trip and notified of the release. So that's what happens when uh, the trip is fully staffed. If you have one pilot, uh, one regular pilot who is um, already assigned, right? Uh, open time trips, uh, which are not staffed in one seat, may be placed into uncovered training events. Uh, at such time, the training trip is awarded to a training pilot. A reserve shall be assigned to the trip, immediately removed and notified of his release. Right, so uh, you look at the order of assignment and the FOLO and you figure out who should have been assigned uh, and you uh, assign that person to the trip and remove them. Okay. Uh, the other regular or reserve pilot originally scheduled for the trip shall be immediately removed and notified of his release. So both pilots are released, right? Uh, and then option C is essentially um, no one's assigned to it in OE, right? So it's open in both captain and FO uh, um, open time 
for regular pilots, right? Um, open time trips, which are not staffed in both seats, may be placed into uncovered training events. At such time, the training trip is awarded to a training pilot. The reserve captain and reserve first officer shall be assigned to the trip, immediately removed and notified of their release. So uh, between these two corners of the contract, right, 18H and 25P, uh, there really is no way uh, to use the 16 lines um, that were awarded uh, to first officers for doing OE. Um, the pull under 25P is improper, and the line was uh, awarded improperly, uh, not in accordance with 25E4. Um, so not really a, uh, a line that uh, the training department owns. And uh, under 18H7, there is no way to use those trips because you can only use the trips that weren't awarded as OE lines. So the company really does need to engage on a, a solution here, um, or they're going to have resulting cascading grievances uh, as they run into more contractual walls, um, right? Uh, these slides, um, uh, kind of say it all, right? Uh, labor policy, right? And what labor policy is, and what we're seeing across uh, across the industry, certainly Spirit, uh, Frontier, Endeavor, um, Delta, are all seeing the same thing, right? Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, your contract is not real until an arbitrator says so. Uh, so you bargain it, and that's not enough. You have to go arbitrate it in order for it to be real, or for the company to. Um, uh, in their worldview, uh, acknowledge that it exists, right? So this is where you end up, is this corner like this, where you end up with unilateral actions versus bargaining, right? And what's supposed to happen here, um, where you run into an issue like this, where you have, uh, you know, bargain terms and working conditions, uh, where the company uh, needs changes to those bargain terms, they require, uh, they're required to bargain with us. And uh, what this is, is a refusal to acknowledge that they need to bargain. And uh, they're not willing to engage in uh, any conversation that has anything to do with uh, uh, any kind of what they see as an incremental gain to the pilot group, right? There's no gain. We have to fix a problem that they that they induced, and they're unwilling to uh, talk to us about it. They think uh, through their reading of the contract that they're correct, and rather than uh, coming to solution um, and working on the problem, they've decided that they see it their way, and they're going to move unilaterally you know, alone, right? Um, which means more arbitrations and more grievances, and um, then they only use the arbitrations as the place where they bargain. Uh, it's a terrible labor policy, super regressive, uh, scorched earth, extremely damaging to the relationship, and uh, that's why we have uh, nearly uh, 2,000 issue forms and uh, you know almost 180 grievances. Um, it just isn't uh, an acceptable way to do business. And uh, what they're going to find here is, uh, you know, that they run into a wall where uh, the language uh, doesn't work the way that they believe it does and uh, multiple violations beyond what was the original violation, right? So um, there's uh, certainly questions that are uh, going to occur from this, right? Uh, one of those is kind of what happens to 
you know, relief lines as they try to, you know, shove all of the uh, block they possibly can onto as few relief lines as possible. And the the reserve lines are then, are those, those relief lines with no flying are then converted into, into reserve lines. That's one of the moves they're making to try and find the reserve staffing that's missing because they didn't post 16 lines, right? Um, uh, there's going to be a series of other moves that are made here that just uh, are really contractually complex. And, um, you know, I guess whatever whatever we can do to answer questions related to that stuff, we're happy to, uh, to ask and answer. But um, some of this that we're going to run out of, uh, you know, normal knowledge is just stuff that isn't, um, let's say, uh, uh, dealt with every day, right? So there's going to be some corners here. Uh, we're going to have to deal with some legal interpretations and uh, go back to lawyers for um, some advice. And you know, to whatever degree we can answer questions about how this is actually going to play out, uh, we're we're happy to do that. Um, I know uh, Zillin is on the call as well uh, as Will, and um, you know, the three of us uh, did a lot of the bargaining on this contract and can get a long ways on. And answering some questions, but there's some uh, some complicated corners here to be certain. So, uh, with that, uh, I want to open up the call to uh, anybody who has any questions. Uh, please use the raise hand function. Uh, I believe if you're on the phone, it's a star five to raise your hand, um, and uh, free to uh, uh, take any questions you guys might have. Um, let's see. I see Todd Lasalle. Uh, go ahead. You uh, you have the floor. Hello. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep, gotcha. Long hey, all right, outstanding. I'm making progress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> last week, last week kind of didn't work, but yeah, here we yeah. are. But I actually have two items. One left over from last week. Uh, but for this week, do we know if the e crew training bidding function is an operative? Uh, I'm not having any luck with that. I don't know. I, I first I'm hearing of it. Um, Maybe if you could just send a dart into uh, Ingalls and the scheduling team and they can start taking a look at that. Sounds good. I didn't know if it was just me being excluded or if there's a, a function problem with that. And then second of all, would you mind kind of recapping where we're at on the payroll software? The last conversation I had on the payroll software is that it's supposed to be implemented for the second check of January. Obviously, that date has slipped, right? Um, I don't have a clear update. Uh, truly, uh, the the collapse of the training department is taking 10, 12 hours a day. Um, no one has come back to that ELP question for me in a better part of a month at this point. Okay. No, that's yeah. fine. Uh, that's all I have. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'll try and track down the ELP question and give you a ring if I can figure out what's going on there. But it's just a general open, are we expecting something coming soon or not? And yeah, that's fine if we don't have an answer either. It was yeah, more a I, curiosity thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we are expecting something soon. Um, they were very, very close uh, as of a couple of weeks ago. You know, they had turned it on with the with the flight attendants, basically because the flight attendant pays a little easier than ours. Um, and uh, they, I understand they're very close. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, ELP is a pretty primetime vendor, as is like NavBlue from PBS. It's not kind of the fly-by-night thing that, that E-Crew is. Uh, so we're expecting uh, quite a, a better product. And I, I, along with that, 
a big asterisk here, right? Um, just having lived through the implementation of Rainmaker uh, at Pinnacle and then Endeavor, um, that was coded very aggressively against labor and against the pilot group. Um, I don't know what to expect in that corner. Um, it, it may be uh, aggressively programmed uh, in a way that is um, circumnavigating provisions of the contract, which could potentially open up, you know, a whole new uh, series of grievances, right, if it's not paying properly. Okay, thank you. That's all I have. Yep. Thank you, Zillin. Yeah. Todd's question about the uh, e-crew and the trading. I just myself noticed in the last day or two that there's just nothing appearing in there uh, on giveaways or anything like that. And I reached out uh, to the scheduling guys, and I haven't uh, been able to follow up on it yet. But there seems to be something maybe up there. I'm not sure what. Um, I'd heard uh, last week sometime that they may have turned turned it off. I'm not sure why the company turned it off. So um, uh, I'd heard that it wasn't working properly or something, or they didn't think it was working properly. I don't know. I, I, that's all I know. So just a little bit of information, which probably doesn't help a whole lot. But I emailed my bid in. I had an automated response, and that was all. So I just wanted to make sure I was going the right avenue, down the right avenue. Yeah, yes. the thing I'd heard about Todd was the trades. It was the trade stuff on on there. I, I hadn't heard anything about the bidding part. So, okay. I typically, email my, email my bid in because I don't trust the system. To be quite honest with you. All right, sounds good. Thank you. All right. Uh, anyone else? Questions, comments? Um, anything else you want to know about this bid pack problem? All right. So um, I anticipate, right, what is going to come is some series of efforts to try and remove pilots uh, from flying and probably doing that on a piecemeal one one off basis to capture as much productivity as possible. Um, if you're removed from uh, flying that should have been uh, withheld from OE, please do file a grievance. Um, it's really hard for the grievance guys to have line of sight to that particular problem. It's uh, really obscured by uh, the training department who kind of runs off grid and outside of, of um, uh, AMZ crew in a lot of ways. Uh, so, um, you know, it's just going to take diligent uh, work on the part of the pilot group to make sure that you file. Um, there really isn't a correct path. So if you're getting removed for OE training and uh, specifically, uh, make sure that you file. All right. Uh, anyone else? All right. Um, before we wrap up the call, uh, sometime in the next week or so, uh, we really need to get together and do um, a wider all-pilot call. Uh, there's an enormous amount of stuff that's uh, that's going on right now, right? I need to talk to the pilot group about uh, the conversations we've had recently with the FAA. Um, need to bring everybody up to speed on the training department uh, and what's occurring in the training department. 
uh, as well as midterms, right? Uh, there's there's a lot happening, and uh, truly, um, the the first two issues are sucking up all the air in the room. Uh, the let's say the the asks the four items identified for midterms on the part of the company are pretty pretty broad. Nearly each one of them um, would require uh, the negotiating of uh, an entire section or two of the contract. It's well beyond the scope of what was anticipated. Uh, and truly, it, it looks like a poison pill uh, to not engage, uh, which may be what they're looking for, given the, uh, the state of things um, with the training department. Uh, you know, Matt Defoe's leaving, right? Uh, Eric Levenhagen is stepping in there. Levenhagen really is and has been kind of the, the lead negotiator for the company since OC's departure. Um, and, uh, you know, the FAA is asking a lot of questions about what's going on at this company uh, and coming up to speed with their own people so they can begin their own uh, observations and surveillance, right? Um, that said, uh, what that is and what their interest is is, is providing this pilot group with um, – uh, a safe airline uh, where we're well trained and that um, is free of 117 violations, right? Uh, they truly uh, made it clear that they want to help, uh, that they are interested in making sure that this place succeeds and that, uh, you know, our jobs are stable. Um, with that, uh, I'm going to say that they're, they're coming closer and closer to uh, – getting up to speed and being able to start what is, you know, the first steps of their enforcement, which is, uh, you know, observations, right? So do expect that you're going to see uh, more uh, FAA folks uh, in the flight deck, uh, in the simulator, uh, and around building C. Um, don't be surprised by that. And uh, do know that uh, they have the best interest of the pilot group in mind. They're they're very concerned. Uh, Cody, go ahead. Uh, you have the floor. Hey, uh, can you hear me all right? I'm driving right now. Yeah, I got you. You're a little soft, but I'll turn you up. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I guess two questions. One of them, I was trying to follow all the details there on this uh, OE pilot bidding issue. and. Wanted to make sure I understood was so they had 16 uh, captains that were going to give OE. Was that part of the equation correctly assigned and implemented to where they were? Uh, they were actually assigned OE and then they went out and they bid their lights the way they should. And then the ball just got dropped on the first officer side. Yeah, where the ball really was dropped is by not creating uh 16 additional lines in the fo bid pack to accommodate the oe lines that would be withheld right um so essentially there was enough lines uh, to accommodate the bidders i think 281 right so yeah let's say you have 281 bidders you need to show 281 lines but 16 of those lines are going to be withheld uh, for oe lines in fact they have to be withheld for oe lines um uh, and the result is that they end up 16 lines short right um the company's workaround there was to say well we're just we'll just award all the lines uh presumably they want to uh 
pull people from training later in some way, shape or fashion. But uh, really, um, in order to do that, uh, there, there really is no mechanism to do that, right? What they bargained is uh, withheld lines. And so by you know not engaging with us and having a conversation about 25E4, uh, they went ahead and unilaterally awarded the lines, right? Which is kind of one way to, to thread the needle, um, not having enough lines, but uh, without having, you know, adult conversations uh, with an opposing view, um, they weren't able to see uh, the necessity to withhold uh, those lines from bidding, right? Uh, we could have worked out a solution that was uh, workable for both sides and didn't harm the pilot group. Um, I know everyone's exhausted with the bidding errors and, you know, pushing timelines out for uh, bid awards uh, it just isn't an acceptable solution. But finding a way uh, to deal with this through polling pilots would be acceptable, uh, though uh, where we fall short is either with 25P or with 18H7. Uh, neither, neither parts uh, are designed to remove pilots that are improperly um, assigned to OE lines. It just there is no path there because what was bargained for was to not have those uh, OE lines uh, awarded through the FO bidding process. Is that kind of cleared so, up? Um, yeah, that explains that part of it. And I, and I was trying to follow along as you talked about it, but I couldn't look at the at the slide as I was driving. And and uh, in, in my understanding, in the past, the the company does have the ability to buy people off of the trips, and the you know I think everybody likes to be bought off trip um but what if i understood you correctly um that's not okay for them to just buy as many people as off trips as they need to in this scenario since they yeah, that, go through correct that's right they they just run out of language beneath their legs to do what they're trying to do um so they to, can't just buy their way out of it by, by pulling people off the trips no, no. It, the buyout language cody was to take a regular pilot off a trip, like um, that's really what it was designed to do, not a first officer off of an OE uh, training trip. It was really, we need to do more OE this month and we don't have enough OE that we want to pull a whole line. It was so they could take a few trips here and there off of regular pilots, not off of instructors. It, it gets really wonky and really yeah. weird. But there's no ability to take the OE instructor off that's been a, where they've had an Apple assigned that line that's not an OE. It's it's really weird. It's it's bizarre. This was never anticipated during the negotiation. The thing that was anticipated was you have two guys that have a trip and you want to take that trip and use it for training. That's the only language they have, the only thing they have that they can do. Is, is that situation as I see yeah in that language okay. the 18 h7 language is only trips that weren't awarded to the uh exactly. training so yeah. it it there really is no language here right what was bargained for is something totally different and by you know kind of unilaterally building uh unilaterally going down a path 
there's just no ground beneath your feet anymore. It, it seems complicated. It's not as complicated as it seems. There's a lot of language there that the lawyers like to put in to make sure things stay in where it's supposed to be. But it was to protect the line pilots and protect the instructor pilots. That is really what we're doing here with that is was to protect both sides. So, um, yeah, it was... Without those protections in place, both sides could be exposed to being kind of scheduled at, at will, and that's not what any of us want. Yeah. Well, as, as you can imagine, I, I think the same would be true for captains and first officers, but uh, if, if we were to get trip pay protected in, in E-Crew, that might be all we get is a notification that says trip pay protected, and we don't know. So we can't say, oh, the, the company improperly bought me off of this trip for a week. When I have no memo or no, uh, it's just, oh, you got paper deck for this trip. That's all I know. Yep. So should we be like filing a dart for the deck? Um, I, would, I would suggest taking a look at OFI, right, to see who uh, is now flying that trip um, in lieu of, you know, having a uh, reserve assignment log, which is what we're supposed to have. Um, we're still waiting for a decision from the arbitrator on that. Um Look at OFI, see who's flying the trip, take a look at the seniority list, and if they look like they're probably, you know, a month or two on the property, I, I think you should probably file a pilot issue form at that point, let the grievance committee start to, to look at it, right? And that's part of what we're seeking in terms of that, you know, 260-some thousand dollars is the ability to pull a pilot or three and um, have them uh auditing uh, the assignments for the month it's just it's going to be an enormous amount of work it's going to cost you know i'd say at least a good solid 100 to 150 thousand dollars easily um without even breaking a sweat to kind of have people is, monitor this is there a cost ability under the contract of the company saying oh well you know what we're just we're just not going to do conduct any OE for the month. We'll just let all those backlog sit and lose a month. I think they still have a violation there in 25 V4 uh, because those lines were designated as OE lines uh, and should at that point, um, you know, not have been awarded. Uh, so, right, this is where you, you kind of bump into one wall and you bump into the next wall, and then all of a sudden there's no ground beneath your feet anymore. Okay. Um, pivoting now to a different question, uh, just kind of talking about the training department and what's going on there. Saw the news about Matt Defoe. I don't know if you have any information or or, or light to shed on it, but uh, you know, I have been trying to, I've been trying to help in uh, you know applying for a training position, and I have done the UltiPro app. I have sent out maybe in the ballpark of a dozen emails, including chief um, pilot, DO, VP of flight, and of course, uh, Matt Defoe and Eric Levenhank. <laughs> and I have not gotten a single word of response. I don't know if it's that bad that they just can't respond to an email. <laughs> um, no one in the entire training leadership structure can. But uh, if we need positions and, and we can't even do that, um, I, I, I guess it kind of makes a guy wonder what is going on in the train department right now. Yeah, I I would suspect that 
your hunch is right. They're just too busy to deal. I mean, there's there's just nobody there. It's part of the problem, right? I mean, um, if you look back, right, in time, uh, you can go back about five years, right? And, you know, when Jesse Greenberg was hired, a uh, nice enough guy, but, you know, the couple months or whatever at Kalida didn't serve him well in terms of the experience to be a director of training at a growing airline and see so he didn't have any you know, fixed wing uh, or 121 experience um, and really just was in over his head, right? And no fault no fault to Jesse here um, because this company should have known that it needed, you know, five or six people uh, to man a training department properly. And uh, it was running as if it was still a 180 pilot airline, right? Then on top of COVID, you throw that in there too, right? And things get extra complicated. Um, but he just really didn't have the depth of experience that you need to navigate those corners. Um, and then, uh, right, so Jesse leaves and Defoe comes in and his skill sets really with running like a sim center, right? So not not a director of training. Um, so all of the, you know, infrastructure has five years of decay on it at least, and then we tried to shove a bunch of growth in on top of it, and it just keeps collapsing, right? And the spin that it's uh, sim availability is exactly that. It's just spin. Um, as soon as, you know, uh, the sim availability is there, uh, if they try to shove another, you know, 30 or 40 pilots through a month, uh, they're going to find collapse. Uh, and truly, um, it's already stressed. It can't barely can get you know, four people through a month. It's just a mess. Um, and there's, yeah, so there's hey, just nobody. Yeah. Eric, the zone, the, the question came up last week is, you know, what do they need to do? And they really need like three management people at minimum in there. They need somebody who's like the director of standards. That's just basically making sure that all the instructors, whether they're in the SEM, they're doing OE, whatever are standardized. They need somebody that that's their full-time job. They need somebody to run the sims and operationally keep it FAA compliant, make sure that uh, the curriculum is up to date and FAA compliant for AQP. And then they truly just need what you might call a chief instructor that just makes sure all the instructors have the support and, you know, manage that group and gets them the stuff they need and that they're, they're where they need to be and doing what they're supposed to be doing. That at a minimum, if you're going to run an airline training department, we can't run this place like a mom and pop, you know, Marty Davis still owns it. We got 12 airplanes. Um, yeah. And truly, they've made a really couple it. moves. They, they truly have made a couple moves to put some people into positions, right? Uh, you got Jake Reuter, who is a, you know, AQP guy, um, truly has a great resume with AQP. I honestly knows AQP. Um, you know, Eric Workman moving into kind of the manpower planning part of like, how much SIM throughput do I have? How many people can I take into the front of the pipeline? Uh, what's the training footprint length look like because of that? Uh, how are you using the resources to, uh, you know, get to the people, right? That That's kind of there. Um, what we're missing is kind of everything in between, uh, the stuff that Zillan was talking about, um, is certainly, right, um, just kind of not there. Uh, training scheduling uh, totally off the ra off the rails is not helping them at all uh, because what we see right is 
Um, and I think this is really where the, the FAA started opening the door uh, on this place and started looking uh, because of the failure rates, right? I mean, we were running uh, um, an 80% pass rate on new hires, right? So 20% fail. And with, uh, you know, 20% failure rate, uh, you know, the FAA generally comes in and shuts down a training department like that. And I think they started looking at it, you know, they don't they don't want to shut the airline down. They want to make sure the pilots have jobs, but they're also concerned about kind of the stuff that they're starting to see, right? And then you, you really start to look at it at a more granular level when you start to look at the people who are failing and, you, you know, you have guys with you know, thousands of hours who are, you know, Air Force captains and stuff. It's just crazy. Um, uh, the And a lot of it has to do with just recency of experience, right? I mean, you give people a lesson and then, uh, you know, they they wait for 45 or 60 days, right? Some 90 days. Uh, anything you've learned uh, up to that point is erased by that point, right? I mean, recency of experience, right? Fundamentals of instruction. And uh, it's just really impossible for people to make it over the hurdles that this place is building for them. Um, people aren't failing for lack of skill set. Um, they're failing because the training department has failed them. Yeah. And I, I saw Duck is on the call. I was going to ask maybe as an update, but I'd heard at one point that we may not even be able to get everybody that is uh, Grace late. Uh, qualified this month. I don't know if they got that sorted out or not. So I don't know if Doug has any information on it or not. But it's it's a problem where it looked like we weren't even going to be able to keep people current. Can't say as far as the you know the failure issue goes too. I, this is anecdotal, but last month I was in a fill with a, a new hire who uh, failed an MV and then had come back after quite a bit of time, maybe a month or so. Um, with an NSLI for a warm-up session, and the NSLI uh, finishes again. And I didn't agree with it. Um, I don't think he was ready to take another MV. I don't think it was fair to him uh, to go send him to another MV when he was just out of failure. Um, and I don't know what the, the outcome of it because I don't see those things. But uh, I, I would imagine it probably didn't go great. Yeah, I think the APDs would tell you that if you you know um, that the NSLIs are wide have just so widespread non-compliance to the point where, um, uh, you know, if you have a, a series of instruction that was given by not all the NSLIs but uh, the vast majority, um, there are a couple of people that are, are pretty good there. Um, but you know, you have a bunch of lessons taught by the NSLIs, and that's where the failure rates are coming in. And then you couple, um, you know, say lack of 121 experience coming out of a bridge program, uh, out of the military, Part 135, and you couple that with NSLI training, and then, uh, you know, it becomes uh, pretty pretty difficult to make it up the hill, right? Um yeah, lots of concerns there about NSLI standardization, a lot of concerns about grading and scoring and calibration. Um, my concern is I just never saw AQP really get implemented on this property. Uh, it just isn't, it isn't done. Uh, there was no training of the trainers. Um, and ultimately what we see across the company is that there is uh, little to no management of change. 
right? Uh, changes are implemented, and um, all of the moving pieces across the uh, across the airline aren't accounted for, and parts start to fall apart. In fact, that that is the entry point for the FAA was uh, the expiry dates for instructors and. Um, they had, uh, Jesse at some point had gotten approval in the A-photom, the training manual, right, um, for uh, all of the training pilots' credentials to have a singular check ride, right? So what used to be taken care of in one check ride uh, for currency for uh, instructors, right, you take like uh, Kyle Cook, you know, like a 13-degree black belt, right, in instruction, <laughs> And uh, that guy needs 13 check rides to keep him current. And that was signed off in the A photo, and the, the FAA signed off on it. And none of the change management occurred so that the rest of the organization followed with that change, right? So what happened was the expiry dates weren't tracked, and all of a sudden instructors were uh, overdue. And generally, what the FAA does here, right? is um, uh, pulls that instructor, retrains that instructor, but everyone who touched the instructor is now non-current as well and is removed from uh, the line. That didn't happen, um, which is, you know, uh, I think because if you kind of look at it, the old rules that we were operating under, I mean, we were, we were safe there, right? Uh, the change that occurred uh, wasn't causing uh, an unsafe condition. It was more a matter of uh, record keeping and bookkeeping, right? Uh, so at that point, the FAA uh, generally will issue a um, kind of a letter of concern or require the company to do a safety risk assessment, so an SRQ um, or SRA, I should say, on uh, uh, whatever the issue was, right? So um, I know uh, there's been several uh, uh, SRAs that the company is, uh, or the FAA has raised um, now uh, recently, uh, some of them fairly significant, and uh, those questions are, are ongoing. Yeah. One, last, one last question, I'm kind of not letting let you comment on this, but it's, it sounds to me like uh, Jesse not really have, <laughs> um, had the tools for the position, and Snow didn't really pan out either. Now, with Eric doing it, he, that's not even his job. It's just another hat. It sounds like there's still going to be a big vacuum in, in leadership there, and he's not really going to be able to take all this on. Oh, it's a huge uh, vacuum, a huge, imagine. huge vacuum. Uh, I understand they're looking for a director of training. Um, you know, they they really need to get this one right. Uh, they need someone with 121 experience. They need to tell this guy that he's going to be a downside director of training, right? He's coming into a dumpster fire and really need to be clear with that person uh, what what they're going to have to do for their job. I don't think they were with, with Matt. Um, and uh, along with that, you know, someone who's uh, able to create credibility, right? Which means that you actually need to have some uh, some real serious 121 time. Uh, I think otherwise the, the training department's going to, uh, the instructors in the training department are going to eat this guy alive, right? I, I think everyone's really frustrated in there uh, with the past couple of years. And uh, yeah, Eric doesn't, 
Eric doesn't have the experience to ask the right questions here, which is um, I, I feel for him, right? It's high risk, high reward for a management guy. Um, and he really needs to get tight and close, right, to um, uh, some ops people and, and really understand how pilots think. Uh, I just I don't see the right questions being asked even. Um, uh, just to add some color there, over the last week I've had to shut down a – uh, a surveillance program, right? The idea was the, the company was going to uh, use uh, an APD, a management pilot, and an ALPA pilot to go do uh, surveillance on a demographic of the uh, training department. Um, uh, some pretty serious issues there, right? Uh when you get to the end of that trail, what that looks like is a management pilot sitting in a sim observing an LOE with a line pilot, right? Um, I mean, this whole industry has restrictions on this, uh, including, you know, not having cameras and sims. Uh, it, it's something that is contractually prohibited. Um, I forget off the top of my head what the, you know, the provisions are that uh, prohibit uh and define who can sit in what seat, but it is not acceptable. And um, we had to make some moves to shut that down. Uh, you know, of course, the the FAA uh, they don't they don't have any a dog in this fight, right? They're going to do their own observations and calibrations. Um, so whatever the company does is irrelevant to them. And uh, in terms of our people, ELPA doesn't do surveillance on its own pilots. And, you know, it just isn't something that we do um, and won't do. Um, there's people who are designed to do this, right? Standards evaluators inside of the training department who go out and collect this kind of data. Or if you want objectivity, you do a LOSA, right? Which helps the company figure out how to maintain the objectivity to allow for the data collection without threatening jobs. Um, that part was missed. Um, uh, it's, you know, they're, they're in some odd corners because the people doing the work don't understand the pilot world and aren't clear on all the corners of the contract and they won't come to us to ask for uh, assistance or clarification. And uh, they uh, basically look at ELPA as, you know, adverse to their business, which is just simply not the case. I mean, we want you know, success for this business and, um, you know, our, our wagon is hitched to this star. It kind of needs to succeed, right? Uh, so being adverse to the business uh, serves no purpose. Um, and and truly, uh, you know, we for years with OC were able to, you know, successfully keep moving things forward and solve problems. And uh, since his departure, we haven't had anybody on the other side who is willing to engage uh, with labor. And you see this um, across the board with all of the labor groups that are suffering, right? Um, and angry. Uh, flight attendants are having troubles. They're in the mediation. I think the mechanics are in mediation. And, uh, and they just don't know how to deal with us at all. They, they have no clue. 
Um, it's just, it's really disappointing uh, because there's a, a successful business to be had here and uh, a, truly a solid business plan. But, you know, I would add to that that when your, you know, mentor is um, uh, O'Leary from Ryanair, right, that, uh, um, uh, you know, being anti-labor is kind of the jam there, right? Hard to get to the point where you're going to give labor the credibility to answer questions for you. Um, truly, a company this size needs to to work together uh, with labor and uh, uh, management in order to succeed. And the companies that do that, right, are, are really successful. The old the old Southwest model, right? Um, we're still here, uh, you know. Uh, with bells on, positivity, right? Ready to uh, uh, to engage and solve problems, but uh, when everything is seen through the lens of um, you know incremental gain and spin and gaslighting, um, uh, you know whether that's driven by Ford and Harrison or not, uh, or something that our management is choosing to do on their own. Uh, but I am seeing the same strategy across multiple different airlines, so I, I tend to think that it's it's Ford and Harrison driving the bus, and um, it's it's pretty labor aggressive, right? Um, which works if you're trying to protect your whales, right? The Uniteds and the the Americans and um, Delta, right? Uh, and making sure that they have the pilots that they need, and the the ultra low cost carriers, as far as Ford and Harrison is concerned, can probably go under, right? Those pilots are just going to go to the whale. So, um, you know, our management, I think, probably sees, you know, what I see is conversations about recession and, you know, fingers crossed that other ultra low cost carriers go out of business and then uh, and they're going to be able to hire people, right? Uh, which is um, pretty bleak outlook. Anyways. Um, Ryan asked a question in the chat, right? Uh, so he says, this may be uh, too forward thinking, but what would the line construction look like for OE training pilots under PBS? It's identical. It's exactly the same. You use your seniority to to exercise, um, you know, what trips are awarded or then owned by the training department. So far, they've chosen to keep those lines intact uh, but note in some of the language that we were working through in the slide deck here, uh, I think um, 18G1, uh, maybe two is where they're um, uh, working through the credentials of, you know, who is awarded what flying, right? So um, truly the training department owns that flying, not necessarily the pilot who's awarded it. Uh, they could take trips off. Uh, of a pilot's line, maneuver them around the training department, give them different training pilots and the like. Uh, we haven't seen much of that, but that is uh, is something that they could do. Um, they can do it under line bid or under PBS. But in terms of uh, how the training department gets its um, uh, its flying, the block that it owns, uh, it's same under PBS as it is under line bid. Right. Um, yeah. Anyone else? Any other questions uh, before we uh, before we go? All right. Uh, seeing none, um, I just want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, remember, 
117 violations, fill out ASAPs. Please encourage everybody to fill out ASAPs. The FAA truly wants to know where the issues are so they can work on fixing them. All right, ASAPs. Thanks. Thanks.